right, welcome to uh, our Wednesday night midday service. We apologize for the couple minutes of delay. Had to uh, reset some things. All right, so we're going to get into, we've already prayed, uh, so we're going to get into um, this teaching today, a money point of view. Uh, we started talking about some things last week. Um, about just, you know, God's operation, God's system of giving, God's point of view of money and lining our, our lives up with uh, God's, God's particular point of view. And, you know, uh, we talked about last week how, you know, love of money is the root of all evil and, and it's not money itself, it's who's going to handle money and how, you know, uh, the reality is, God has set up a system of giving to weaken uh, the hold of money worship. God has set up uh, a system of giving to weaken the hold of money worship. And so, so what happens is if you know, without God's system of tithes and offering and giving, you know, uh, money will have a hold on us. And, and, and this is, this is what we need to realize. If we can give it away to service, uh, it can't have us serve it. If we can give it away to service, it can't have us serve it. And that's the thing, you know, uh, uh, we're afforded money, but we have to be able to give it away to service uh, so it doesn't um, try to uh, arrest us and have us serve it. And, and, and I know, you know, a lot of times you hear stuff like that, you know, you have all types of people picking up rocks. You know, God, we're not saying every, every resource you have uh, will not benefit you. The core of the resources you have uh, or the designated seed for service is what God is requiring of us, which we'll get into here in a second. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9. And we'll start here at verse 6. And I'm, I'm going to read again. We talked about this scripture last week. I'm going to read it again out of the Amplified. It says this. It says, Now remember this. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows generously uh, that blessings may come to others will also reap generously and be blessed. Let each one give thoughtfully with purpose, just as he has decided in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and delights in the one whose heart is in his gift. And God is able to make all grace every favor and earthly blessing come in abundance to you so that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely sufficient in him and have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. It says, as it is written and forever re remains written, he, the benevolent and generous person, scattered abroad. He gave to the poor, emphasis underlined, he gave to the poor, uh, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply 
your seed for sowing. I want to reemphasize that. Now, he that who provides seed for the sower and, which is a conjunction, bread for food will provide and multiply your seed for sowing. So, when it's saying, so we always use the example of if God gives you an apple, um, most of the apple is for us, 90% of it. The only thing God is asking is take the seed, sow the seed to uh, replenish, fruitful, multi- multiply, replenish, and, refu- and be fruitful with it, right? So it's the same thing when God gives us any level of resource. He's saying, okay, there's a, there's a, there's a major part of it for you to benefit from. Make sure you uh, pay the seed forward. Right, pay the seed for it, and so that's what he says. He gives seed to the sower, right? Those that's going to take the seed to sow it, bread for your food, uh, will provide and and will provide and multiply your seed for sowing. That is your resources and increase the harvest of your righteousness, which shows itself in active goodness, kindness, and love. So he's saying is the more I provide for you, the more you'll be in position to show goodness, kindness, and love. Because it's not like, you know, like when we sometimes have not operated in goodness, kindness, and love, why is that? We haven't operated in goodness and kindness and love sometimes because we're so busy thinking about ourselves and our needs. You know, it's kind of hard for us to do that. You ever been in situations where you're hoping that cousin or that person don't call you? Or like you don't even want to know what's going on because you're like, nah, if I answer the call, then they're going to tell me what the issue is and they're going to expect me to do something. But you're not really thinking about that if you're, you're, you're operating in abundance and God has put you in a position where you could um, operate in active goodness, kindness, and love. Also wisdom. We'll put wisdom in there because you just can't, um, you can't sow seed into sand, right? Like, like you don't, you're not expecting to get a harvest if you go out on the beach and sow seed, right? right? You have to sow in good soil, right? And so, so you will be enriched, look, look, you'll be enriched in every way so that you may be generous. And this generosity administered through us is producing thanksgiving to God from those who benefit. So it's saying we're in a position where we can do, we can serve, we can take this, uh, these resources and create an opportunity to serve it. So we're, it's serving us. We're using it to serve, to be a benefit. People are being impacted, and what are they doing? Giving thanks to God, right? Giving thanks to God. That's why the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. So what it's saying is like if our core foundation, our money point of view is kingdom work first, it's saying all these things will be added unto you. Now, of course, that's Matthew 6.33, but in Matthew, Matthew 6.33 is progressive from take no thought um, for what you're going to eat, uh, take no thought for what you're going to wear. It says, for the Gentiles have needed these things. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So it, it goes through from verse 19 all the way to uh, uh, 31, 32. Well, 31, from verse, uh, Matthew 6, 19 and 31, it starts to break down 
the contrast of how God takes care of what's important to him. You know, he takes care of the lilies of the field. He takes care of the birds of the air. He says, they don't toil, they don't spin, but I take care of them. How much more? Because I love you, will I take care of you? It says, and I know you have need of these things. This is the key. He said, to navigate in this earth realm, I know you have need of things to navigate. To be a blessing to others, you would have to be blessed. He says, I know you have need of those things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. So our money point of view is, is it kingdom work first or is it stuff first? Is it kingdom work first or is it family first? Is it kingdom work first or is it job first? So our, if our view is looking through the lens of our kingdom work first, that covers, our jo- that covers our family, that covers our job, that covers all the other things, right? Um, I forgot to bring that song. My bad. All right, so, so let's see if we can do this. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We're going to read this story of this young man that Jesus was trying to assist to change his money point of view. So Mark 10, we'll start here with verse 17. It says, and when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running. This person was running in pursuit and kneeled to him. So obviously he had a reverence for him and asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So his goal is what? Eternal life, right? He came running because based on what he had experienced and what he, what he had heard, what he had uh, processed, Jesus talking about how to enter into the kingdom, Jesus breaking down divorce, Jesus breaking down entrapments, Jesus breaking down humility, Jesus breaking down death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus breaking so many things down up to that point. This guy's like, hold on a second. He's talking about something that I don't have. He says, so what do I need to do to experience eternal, uh, uh, inherit eternal life? Key word there is eternal life. Please underline that. It's going to be important. So we already had to underline those that give to the poor, right? And now we're talking, uh, when we read through uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 11, remember uh, the generous person scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. And then now we have underlined that how do I hear eternal, eternal life? And so Jesus said unto him, why calleth thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knoweth the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Um, honor thy father and thy mother. You know, that's the part of the commandments that's all about people, right? And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. He said, then Jesus beholding him. Loved him. Now, 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 so he, he locked into him and compassion came out of his heart. So beholding him, it says, uh, he loved him and said unto him, one thing thou lackest. So Jesus locked in and picked up what he needed based on what he asked, right? He says, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, there it is again, give to the poor. So underline that, right? 
Give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. So, so you ask the question, I'm going to give you exactly what you need to get what you have, to get what you need. But he also added something. He asked for eternal life. He told him, based on what I'm telling you, you actually can have treasures in heaven. But, but this is the reality is he was, he was trying to set him up to be a disciple. But when he says, sell to you have and give to, give to the poor, he was saying, hey, Start the process to changing your point of view on, on what you're depending on. If you want eternal life, you got to change your point of view of what you're depending on. He, what he saw in them is like your confidence, your significance, and your dependence is on your money. So, so we got to shift that point of view if you want eternal life, if you want to really embrace what you have. So he told him to give to, give to the poor, Right. So this is the interesting thing. The rich, this rich ruler had to start in his case, because read through the Bible. He didn't say this to everybody. In his case, he had to start with a big seed he had to sow because he was in big bondage to money worship. Right? He had a big seed, big seed because he was in big bondage. Remember, God set up a system of giving to weaken the hold of money worship. It's the first statement we made to you, right? To weaken the hold. If we can give it away to service, it, then it can't have us serve it, right? And so, so in his case, God saw, because the scripture says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, it says, just not yet, lest you be judged. It says, the measures you meet shall be measured to you again. And so he can, he can discern what his measure, what the, see, your, your, your point of view is how you measure everything. And so sometimes, you know, somebody can walk up to you, and if your measure is money or if you have more money than them, you might not listen to a word they say. Because you're going to like, how much money you have? You know, I was about to say something. How could I say this without, uh, sometimes, sometimes there's no other way to say stuff. Uh, but I've, I've been exposed to so many different situations, so I'm not really trying to dog nobody out, but I have to communicate things a certain way. But I know of a person that if you didn't have a certain amount of money, they're not listening to nothing you say. And they would actually say that. So I just, I'll just say it that way. Uh, not trying to dog them out, but I'm saying, but Jesus knew this guy's not going to be able to follow, be a disciple to me. He's not going to be able to enter into the kingdom of God because his lenses is covered with money. He can't see me, right? And he can't see some of the things I'm going to have him to do. He won't be able to open to all of it. He won't be open to all of the lessons he needs to learn because some of the people I'm going to send to him have nowhere near the money he has. So I have to change his money point of view, Right? Remember, we talked about last week, sometimes we allow people on certain platforms and we allow, allow we give them our ear, right? We give them our, our, our attention based on money, not based on God, the Holy Spirit's leading a lot of times, right? And see, this, this guy, this really measured his money point of view because if he really had a godly point of view, what Jesus asked him to do, he would have no problem with because this guy didn't understand that the reality that given to the poor 
at the least, what you gave is going to be given back to you. Let's look here, uh, uh, Proverbs 19. Now, I didn't say that that was the ultimate harvest on seed sown, um, but at the least, you're not worried about losing what you have because here, look here, Proverbs 19, verse 17. It says, he that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord. And look, and that which he has given, will he pay him again? So it's saying what you gave, you'll get. This, this is not saying exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think or uh, uh, good measure pressure down shaking together and running over. It says, hey, you're going to... You, you're lending, to, you're lending to the Lord, meaning you're allowing the Lord to use you to extend what that particular person needs, the person that's without. Now, to be poor is them that without, and I'll get into that here in a second. So Christ was trying to shift this young man's money point of view, right? And, you know, as I was meditating on this, the Holy Spirit was showing me that with that guy, in that guy's mindset, he thought this was a one-shot deal. Like, I just give everything to the poor, and then now I got to follow Jesus. But he was being asked to convert his money's purpose from to being kingdom purposed. He was, see, see, his money's purpose was just to secure himself. But he was being asked to convert his money to kingdom purpose, and Jesus was asking him. <laughs> so if he would have really understood he would have, you know, he was being asked what Abraham was asked, right? Abraham was asked to give what was important to him and sow it as a seed. Who's to say, Jesus wouldn't have said, I just wanted to see if you was going to do it. And there was a ram in the bush for this guy. You says it, but, but he, he didn't operate like Abraham did. He's like, man, I, I don't know. Matter of fact, he said he went away sad if you study it out. So he was trying to get him from the, to shift from the accumulation of things to the winning of souls. He was trying to get, get him to shift from the accumulation of things to the winning of souls. So that was shifting his money point of view. And uh, basically, uh, well, let's look at, look at this again. You know, the Bible says, uh, you know, you had... Uh, uh, they were lining up all the people's stewards, and they had gave them different money to use to test their money point of view. And so you had one guy, you know, when he came back, so you had one, had, was it one talent, one had five, and one was given ten. Different versions say different amounts, but we'll just use those particular three. So the guy, the guy that had ten, I think, did he double his? Yeah, so, so he said, you know, uh, blessed are you, good and faithful servant, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so then the guy that had five, he doubled his, so he got blessed. The guy that had one stored his, held on to his. He was like, man, you could at least, like, you know, give it to the bank, something like, got some inches on it, um, you know. And, and but, but, but one of the verses says you should have given it to the exchangers. See, see, this is the thing. Like, it, it had to be exchanged. Remember, you can't worship God and mammon. 
It says if you can't be, if you're not faithful in the least, who will, who will commit to you the true riches? See, so there's an exchange that takes place that converts what we have into true riches. And so when God is asking for something, he's converting it for kingdom use. But when something is converted to kingdom use, uh, we obtain a blessing. Even remember he said you would have rich, uh, treasures in heaven. If you go back to uh, uh, Matthew 6, we talked about Matthew 6. It says, you know, don't, don't store up things on the earth where moths and rust does corrupt. It says, but store up for treasures in heaven, right? What it's saying is whatever you store here can be stolen. The thief comes what? To steal, kill, and destroy. So whatever, you, 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 whatever resources you have, the devourer can devour them. That's why we're, uh, we're instructed to tithe, to rebuke the devourer, right? All right, so let's, let's, let's revisit this in another uh, Uh, yeah, Matthew 19. Let's do this. Just another angle, Matthew 19. Again, we're talking about a money point of view. And a lot of times the world trains us to have a warped money point of view. Instead of us seeing it as service, we see it as our, our significance, our protection, you know, and, and we, a lot of times we lose sight of God. All right, so we'll start here, verse 20. It says, the young man said to, to these things, so this is another version of the same of what we read in Mark 10. So the young man said unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, if thou will be perfect or complete and give to the poor, Thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when the young man heard that, that saying, he went away sorrowful. I wanted us to see that. For what? He had great possessions. <laughs> it says, Verily I say unto you that a rich man, um, then said Jesus unto the disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom. And when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? Why would they respond that way? If, if they had nothing, why would they respond like, well, who? See, in their mind, it's an assumption. We're kingdom kids. We're, we have a lot of possessions. So if you're saying a rich man can't get into heaven, then nobody... Can't nobody get it? See, in their mind, it wasn't people are without. It was like, well, since we've been rolling with you and everybody we see around you has stuff to serve the kingdom. So are you saying none of us can get in? That's why I said, look, read, read through that. They were amazed. Why would they be shocked if they didn't have nothing? They would have been like, cool, glad I'm getting in because I ain't got nothing. Right? <laughs> But that's not what they said. They said they were, they were made. They said, who can be saved? Who can cross over into eternal life? Which is what the guy was asking from the beginning. Verse 26, but Jesus beheld them and said, remember, just like he beheld the guy, he started, when, when the word indicates beheld, Jesus is discerning at that point. When he beheld them, he said unto them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. 
Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. Right? What shall we have therefore? Which I'll get, I'll get to here in a second. So when it sell all and start to depend on God was the goal here. That was the shift. Now, give to, to the poor doesn't mean you're going to lose all. It just says give to the poor and sell all. But he was trying to get him, gain him access to greater treasures that can keep on giving. It's like if you have a seed in the earth realm and you store it in the earth realm, well, it could just rot and just, just get corrupt. But if you sow that seed with the intent to reap a tree or something like that, you have to tap into the heaven realm. We've already talked about trees don't come from inside the seed, don't come inside the dirt. It comes from the, the, the tree comes from the heaven realm in the first place. So we don't have to get back into that. Uh, if, if it's stored upon the earth, it could be taken. If it's stored up in heavenly places, it's protected and exponentially multiplied. So, you know, ex- exponents is different than just uh, addition and multiplication. Exponents, if, if you got two, you got uh, two with the exponent of, of three, that's eight, right? That's right, two times two. Times two is eight. <laughs> make, sure, make sure I still got it, you know. Right, right, that's eight. So that's exponentially. And, and, and I'm using the word exponentially because the Scripture talks about receiving, which you get into fold, something in a fold. So if you just take a piece of paper and you fold it, it goes into two. But if you fold it again, you know, you, could, you can get four squares. You just keep folding it. It's different than when you, uh, than just time. Times is different than fold. All right, so let's read here, since I brought it up. Uh, uh, verse 27 again, we're going we're gonna to go to 28 through 30, but, but I'll just open up with verse 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have thereof? So they're saying, we actually passed this test. We, 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 we stopped depending on what we had. We forsook everything we were dependent on and shifted our dependence on you. So our money point of view was not fishing and, and physician and treasurer. Now it's we're dependent on you and the kingdom. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in, in the regeneration when the Son of Man uh, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of glory, you shall also sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Right? Verse 29. And everyone that has forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my, for my name's sake, my honor's sake, shall receive a hundredfold. It didn't say a hundred times. We're talking exponential now. We're not talking about multiplication. A hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. This whole conversation started with the rich young ruler asking about everlasting life. So Jesus said, no, it's not just everlasting life. It says a hundredfold. It says, but many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. Because everybody's not going to pass the changing their money point of view test. People are going to hold on to a lot of things that they depend on. Family, the significance on, yeah, uh, my child always needs me. I'm valuable in my child's eyes. That's wonderful. But we're supposed to be offering that child unto God. That's, you know, that's the, that's the test Abraham went through. 
You know what I'm saying? So, so he's not saying, I don't want you to have these things. He's saying they can't be more important than your reliance and dependent on me and what I purpose and plan for you to do. Does that make sense? So, so, so again, the, the shift is embracing eternal life. Because I, when I think about Jesus, Jesus gave up everything. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's 8 verse 9, um, and that's an audible, but it says, uh, he became poor that we might be rich. So he gave up everything that was important to him and depended on God. And so the Bible says, let this mind be in you. It's also in Christ Jesus. Like it says he was obedient unto death. That means whatever God said, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm giving up everything that, that I depend on that makes me significant. So he's asking us to do the same thing. The Scripture tells us in 1 Timothy 6.12, lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold, grasp eternal life. So laying hold on eternal life is, is, is it's how I breathe. It's my existence. That seek, that's seeking first the kingdom of God. The eternal life is more important. And see, so Jesus understood something. If I embrace what God has planned for me, uh, I'm in a better position for the people I do care about. So I, so I care about uh, all these that you've afforded me to be a steward over. But I can't benefit them if, if I don't see this thing through. So I have to be willing to lose them to gain them. See, I mean, he had to give up his life. That means he wasn't going to have direct physical access all the time. If we can take that model, we'll be great because sometimes we're in the way. Like, and sometimes we're in a way of family. Like, we think we're doing what's best for family, but we're only crippling. Not because we're evil people, because we don't trust God. We, we think we, our hands are greater than God's ability to really take care of whether it's the, the child or cousin or whoever the case may be. But we have to understand, uh, and I remember sharing this with a young man that I just happened to spend some time with uh, recently, but I've known him for 20-something years, since the 90s. And he was like, well, I just want the best for my child, which... Actually, the child is, is the person that we went to support just recently. And uh, I said, well, if you want to give him the best of everything, I don't know if you remember this from back in the 90s, if you watched this. I said, the best of everything is God. It's not money. It's not clothes. It's not cars. It's not I'm going to show up at every game. I'm going to be at every recital. The best of everything is God. And as much as we say we love our, our, our family, are we giving them God? Are we willing to lay down our lives, or, or I'll put it this way, lay down our like so they can get God? Or are we looking, oh, I don't want to do that because they, you know, they may be uncomfortable. It's, it's, see, again, lay hold on eternal life, right? And so this is the, this is the whole money point of view because sometimes, you know, we are, we'll sacrifice even giving people eternal life because, Hey, as long as I move them on this path to getting, gaining money, right? Money is not, listen, money is, money can't save nobody's life. You know, it's, 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 it's Christ is the Savior. All right, so, so again, we're talking about money point of view. So let's, let's walk through at least some of the, the references in the Torah. We'll go to uh, Deuteronomy 14. We're going to read a few passages in Deuteronomy, triangulate back and forth between Deuteronomy and Matthews. Remember, Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to replace it. 
All right, so this, this passage is, uh, is highlighting tithing, but let's just, let's just check it out. And this is about tithing is not as much of an obligation as it is about a reverence, right, as about reverence. It says, all right, so verse 22, King James Version. It says, uh, thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. Because, right, you know, resources have evolved into just a currency now. But back then, resources was, you know, your crops and your cattle and things of that nature. But, but we'll talk about that here in a second. It says, verse 23, And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose uh, to place his name there, the tithe of the corn, of the wine, of, the, of thine oil, and of thy firstlings, of thy herds and thy flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear or reverence the Lord thy God always. So the whole process of tithing and worshiping and you actually benefiting from your resources because a part of this worship was the, each individual was going to benefit. There was a feast that took place, right? Verse 24, it says, And if thy way be too long for thee, so that thou art not able to carry it, or if the place be too far for, uh, from thee, which the Lord thy God shall choose to set his name there when the Lord thy God has blessed thee. So everybody had to tithe, and God had a place of worship, just like, well, now we have churches and stuff like that, but it was a place of worship to, to exchange the tithe and the worship before God. Now, when it says, if, if the place be too long for thee, you would think, okay, if God sent you there, don't make a difference how long it takes. But that's not what it's indicating. What it's indicating is sometimes they had so much abundance, it would have took them forever to get to the, the next station where they could worship or the next synagogue or the next place of worship. So, so God gave them instructions for that too. That's, so when it says it took too long, it was like they, was, they, was, they had so much. That's so much cattle, so much good, so much, they, can, they couldn't get to where they were going. It says, is the way too far, uh, uh, verse 25, it says, then shalt thou turn it into money. So it says, so now since you have so much, let's convert it in something that you can carry, <laughs> right, that you, you can navigate through. But also now it's not just about converting it into the money. I also want, remember my goal is, Bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. So I still want you to be blessed through this process, and you'll see it here. It says, Thou shalt turn it into money and bind up the money in thy hand and shall go unto a place which the Lord God shall choose. Right? Because now, you know, you have less to carry. And thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thy soul uh, lusteth after, is what is indicated in the, in the King James in the Old Testament. It says for oxen, for sheep, for wine. It says for strong drink. I'll explain that in a second. And for whatsoever thy soul desireth, that thou shalt eat thereof before the Lord. So now you can still have your feast, but it's almost like you had all this stuff. You couldn't take it to get where you was going. I need you to exchange it for what you could carry. When you get to the place, you're going to make another exchange so you can offer up what you originally planned to do, but you're also going to uh, a part of it is for you to benefit. We're going to worship together with what you have, right? And so, so, so now, 
We talked about taking it to the exchangers. Look, he told them, convert it into money, take the money, and grab some things you desire. So, so there's an exchange taking place here. You, you, you give tithes and offering, and God's saying, you have a right because you're in covenant, you're in worship with me, for you to benefit from it. So there's some things that are supposed to benefit you here, right? Now, of course, I can't just be reading through stuff without explaining. So here it talked about for wine and strong drink. So I've talked about it before, but I'm going to let you go study it out. But it, again, the juice was called wine. So when they took fruit and they squeezed it, it whines, it cries. That's, that was the juice. Now you say, but it says strong drink too. So now what it is is you, most of the time, they, they, they label wine would be grapes, pomegranates, things of that nature. But when it says strong drink, that would be palm juice or, or fermented palm oil or fermented something from different sugars besides grapes and stuff like that. Now, just because it says fermented doesn't mean that they were getting drunk off alcohol, right? Fermentation of fruit is what they use for uh, probiotics. Uh, kombucha is a drink that you, you get out here that's fermented. That it has cultures in it or it has, it has good bacteria in it. So when stuff is fermented, you could produce good bacteria. It, and it, that good bacteria is good, probiotics is good to help for your stomach. So now that explains when the scripture says, drink it for your stomach's sake. You see what I'm saying? It's saying so in other words, it could say drink probiotics for your stomach's sake. You see what I'm saying? It didn't say for your stupor's sake. For your stomach's sake, so that you know, that's I, you know, I'd be studying stuff, so I figure you give. <laughs> I figure I bust a couple of bubbles while I was out here. You know, even though we're talking about the money point of view, right? Right. <laughs> so, all right. So, what was we at? Was that uh, 26? Tw- we're at 28. Nah. Okay, so 27. It says. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just going to, for oxen, for sheep, for wine, for strong drink, 26, uh, and for whatsoever thy soul desireth, and thou shalt eat thereof before the Lord thy God, you know, worshiping, worshiping before God, and thou shalt rejoice, thou and thine household. And the Levite, now, this is, that's the priest, the Levite that is within thy gates, uh, thou shalt not forsake him, for he has no part, uh, he has no part, no inheritance with thee. Right? So, you know, you guys have access to an inheritance. He's serving and praying and interceding so you can have the inheritance, but he can't go out and grab land. He's responsible to be uh, basically on that wall to intercede. Right? He says, so don't, he said, don't forget him. It says, at the, end of the, at the end of three years, thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase the same year, and thou shalt lay it up within thy gates. Now, again, it took three years a lot of times for them to even get to where to worship. You know what I'm saying? Because it we, we, takes us minutes. <laughs> like, we, we got minute access. They didn't have minute access. They, you know, you're walking and through deserts and stuff like that and camels and carrying on. So, so their, their proximity of sometimes when they did stuff. But look here, it says, um, 
This says, uh, bring the same to the land for the gates. Verse 29, and the Levite, because he has no part in that inheritance with thee, and the stranger, another version says, the not, they're still your brethren, but they, they're from a different locale. They, they, they wasn't in your community, right? This is not just talking about any old kind of stranger. It says, and the fatherless and the widow, which are within thy gates shall come and shall eat and be satisfied, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in the work of thine hand, which thou doest, right? And so here you have, going back to what we told you to underline, given to the poor. So the poor, the actual the poor means them that are without. So this broke down the Levites that are without inheritance, right? It broke down the widows that are without husbands, right? It broke down the, 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 the people from a strange land that are without a foundation. It broke down the fatherless that obviously without parents that are living among you. The key word that are living among you. So they're, they're, they're involved or, or endeavoring to be involved in the kingdom. They're just not out here wilding out, right? People that are making an effort living among you is what the scripture says, right? So now it's saying these people that are not as well off, they, they don't have a solid family. They don't have a wonderful husband or wife. Uh, the priest is out there laboring. They don't have, act, they just can't go out and do the things you do. They have to do everything by faith, right? So they, they just can't go out and uh, get raises at their job at the same clip. You know, everything is projected, right? So it says these people that are without, don't just neglect but if we're operating in how God told us to operate in, in this system of changing our, uh, our money view and operating in tithes and offering, it return, our return is exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. Blessings you don't have room enough to receive. So you're in a position, as it said in 2 Corinthians, to do good works, kindness, and things like that. So it's, you're looking for these opportunities. Like I said, Acts chapter 4, it was like anybody that was lacking, they were looking for opportunities. But you ain't looking for opportunities if you barely are eating. You're not looking for opportunities if you just have enough to make sure that the household's taken care of. You're looking for opportunities when your cup is running over. And so, so, so God's system is, is for us to trust him with the seed so he can meet every need, not just yours, but everyone you come in contact with. All right, so let's go to Matthew 26. Again, we're talking about a money point of view. Just uh, recalibrating our thinking or enhancing our thinking because some people's already thinking this way. Uh, but it'll be, a, you know, it's always good to have what God's word says on it. So Matthew 26. Uh, no, I'm sorry. We're not. We don't need that. Uh, Deuteronomy 15, I'm sorry. And I was already over there. So Deuteronomy 15, and we'll start here at verse 10. Deuteronomy 15, 10. It says, uh, Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved. Hold it. Hold it. Let's start at verse 7. I'm sorry. 15, 7, verse not, 7 through 9. We'll get to 10 through 15, but 7 through 9 first. 
It says, if there be among you a poor man of, of one of thy brethren, key word is, says, of one of what? Thy brethren. It didn't say somebody just out here randomly, but people that are living among you, pressing in the kingdom. It says, uh, if there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates, <laughs> see, once again, within the same boundaries of living, uh, with any of thy gates in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother. It says, but thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him, and shall surely lend to him sufficient for his need. Key thing for his need in that which he wanteth. Beware that there, that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart saying, well, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and thy eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou giveth him naught, and he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. So here, here you have the reality was, People got an inheritance. They're rolling. This is Deuteronomy. And he's giving them a breakdown. He says, okay, now if your brother is, is, is hurting, help him. And it's saying, once again, it said, your brother among you within the gates, right? <laughs> right? It, says, it says, but don't be sad in your heart because the reality is back then, or the way it really is supposed to be now, nobody stayed in bondage longer to debt or nothing longer than six years. In the seventh year, people was released of all that stuff. So he's saying, as your brother comes to you, you know he's struggling. He might not have been making all the best decisions either. It says, now don't say to yourself, well, it's almost the seventh year. I'm going to have to release him anyway. <laughs> you know, like, and so if I give him this, and let's say six months from now is the time of release, I'm not going to get nothing back. Like, if I, let's say if I loan it to him. You know, if, if, if three months is the time of release, I'm giving this away. He says, don't, don't have that in your heart. Remember, you're lending to the Lord, right? You, like you never lose if God is leading you to share. All right, then verse 10. It says, thou shall surely, we'll start a, a 15, 10 through 15. It says, thou shall surely give, give, surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou giveth unto him. Because that uh, for this thing, the Lord thy God shall bless thee, look, in all thy works, in all that thy put is thy hand to do. So, so God is saying, if your heart, I got you covered. Don't worry about it. Says, for the poor, look, for the poor shall never cease out of the land. Thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother, to, the, to, to thy poor, and to thy needy in the land. And if thy brother, an Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, be sold unto thee, so look, there's, there's slavery right here. I just thought, thought we could see that, <laughs> right? It'd be so, now, it's slavery from the standpoint of sometimes people didn't make wise decisions with their finances, or sometimes there was droughts and different things like that, and people didn't, you know, they didn't store up whatever they needed. So they're like, okay, can I serve you then? You know, can I, oh, oh, right, indentured servant. Or then sometimes what happened was like, they, they had to sell the land to make up their resources. So they, so they said, okay, they said, okay, well, I'll tell you what, we'll take the land, but since you used to work in it, we'll give you a job to work the land. So now, so now they, they, they got flipped into being a servant. 
All right, so it says, and if thy, if thy brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, be sold unto thee to serve thee. Look, look, it just says that six years. Nobody's in bondage longer than six years. Then in the seventh year, thou shalt let him go free from thee. So even if you acquired the land, the person was working for you, you had to, you had to let him go after six years, right? So you, you, you better have a good uh, six-year vision. <laughs> right, to really prosper from that particular land, right? It says, look, look, because this is the other piece, verse 13. It says, and when thou sendest him out from thee, thou shalt not let him go away empty. It says, thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flock, out of thy floor, out of thy winepress of, of that wherewith the Lord thy God has blessed thee, thou shalt give it unto him. And thou shalt remember that thou was a bondman uh, in the land of Egypt, and, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore, I command thee this thing today. So it says, remember, we've, you know, especially when you're prospering, like I said, advanced information. When you prosper and you go to another level, realize you are at the level that some people are coming through at. Right? So be mindful. Imagine how many times have you sat around and said, man, if somebody could just help me over the hump, help me through this particular situation. And if somebody had just walked up to you and been a blessing, you know, how you would have been so excited, praising the Lord, but you would be so thankful you want to do that for somebody else. So it says, just keep this in mind. This is, a, this is God's money point of view. And this is the other thing. We have to start making the adversary benevolent. So, so he's supposed to be working for us, right? Remember, it's, 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 uh, Jesus said, well, even you're supposed to be serving God, right? Right? You know, I told you the other week, you with us, like you're supposed to be serving God. And the scripture says, when, if the thief be found, he has to return to you sevenfold. So he just start working for you as soon as you catch him. As soon as you're aware that he's trying to flip your money view to be dependent on money and not dependent on God. So that's, well, that's, you know, uh, I know that's an audible too, but that's a, uh, I only say audible because I want them to understand they don't have to look for it. Uh, Proverbs 6, right? That's Proverbs 6, right? I believe it's Proverbs 6, 30-something. Uh, uh, and then, uh, but let's look at it, let's look at it another way, a, another confirmation to how we're supposed to be making the adversary work for us. Ephesians 4. Let's go to Ephesians 4. Again, we're talking about a money point of view, a money point of view. So Ephesians 4, and we'll lock in here. Well, we're going to lock in on 28, but I just want to start with 27. It says, need to give place to the devil, right? Give place to the devil, like give up positioning to the devil. Kingdom of heaven suffers violence, violence taken by force. We have to forcefully stay in our place uh, in the kingdom, right? It says, let him that stole steal no more. So it's one thing to catch him and he has to return to you sevenfold, but you don't want him to steal no more. But look at what it says after the colon. It says, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that, me, that he may have to give to him that needeth, Right? So, so it says the, the, the person that steals don't let them steal no more, right? But flip it where they have to give 
right? You know, there's scriptures that says even the enemies had peace with them. And there were situations in the, in, the, in the world where, remember when Abraham was in certain situations and the king had him and was, they were trying to get with Sarah. <laughs> and, 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 and he got visited in his dreams like, what you trying to do? Why are you trying to take his wife? He said, man, why you ain't tell me that was my wife? He, he says, well, tell me that was your wife. He says, man, well, I, you know, I didn't want to die or nothing like that. So the king said, man, listen, man, I'm, we're not trying to mess with you. Re- sent them away and just gave them stuff. If you start to read it, you start to see the scripture starts to open up after God said, I'll bless you, I'll bless them to bless you, and I'll curse them to curse you. Well, the king operated on something he didn't even know was taking place. He blessed Abraham so for him to get blessed, right? And I think it was Genesis 13 opens up, which says he was very rich. <laughs> Right. So people just start, these are people who are not necessarily living for God. God was, uh, used them to be a blessing to his people, right? Because they, they, they were so um, fearful. It's like, well, what I'm doing is I'm just going <laughs> to, I'll give this guy everything I got and maybe no curse will come upon me because I uh, was operating the wrong way. Let's look at Deuteronomy 16. Deuteronomy 16, and we'll lock him on. Verse 15. Let's see. I'm just seeing what version I got. All right, we'll start verse 15. It says, seven days shall thou keep a solemn feast unto the Lord thy God in the place which uh, the Lord shall choose because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thine increase and all thy works of thine hands. Therefore shall thou surely rejoice. It says, again, once again, it says, three times a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord in the place that in appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, in the feast of unleavened bread, in the feast of weeks, in the feast of tabernacles, and they shall they shall not appear before the Lord empty. So when they when they came to worship him this time of the year, they couldn't appear before the Lord empty. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord God which he has given thee. So it's saying when, we, when they came to establish these feasts, once again, I told you it was three times a year because sometimes it took time, one, it took time to accumulate and it took time to travel to get to these particular locations. And it emphasized three feasts. It says the, uh, basically uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Passover, the Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost, and the Feast of Booths, which is the Tabernacles, right? And so the Passover was... Uh, was actually, that represents the death, burial, and resurrection. So it's the process of burying the old and resurrection, resurrecting the new. It's actually seed time and harvest. So because you bury the seed, right? So that's the death. You know, during the entire burial process, that's the time. And then um, the resurrection, of course, is the harvest. And so, so, so even though he's indicating this feast, this, indi- this feast, indicated also Passover. Passover is spring or jump or Passover, so passing over debt, 
passing over the devourer, right? So that's why that was one of the feasts. The other feast was Pentecost. Pentecost is Jubilee. Pentecost is, you know, of course we know the day of Pentecost, which was 50 years, but they also operated, uh, 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 Pentecost was something they did a lot. It was 50 days after, I believe, the, the Passover, the, uh, the, uh, the Feast of First Fruits. And see, so this was an opportunity where they, um, okay, the first one they gave like their barley, the second one they gave grapes and oil and things of that nature. But this, this, this was their another opportunity for harvest. But that actually, Pentecost represents relief and jubilee and freedom. And then you have the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, that, that, okay, so tabernacle, that's when the Word became flesh. The Word became tabernacled or put inside of a tent, which is our vessel, right? Uh, it also represents, uh, it's, it's, it's when they... <laughs> How can I put it? They would go to the river and they would grab water and, you know, as a, uh, an almost like a, a drench and offering. So it's, it represents a, a thirst quenching fulfillment and contentment. And so that's what our harvest normally does for us. Is, that's why it's the third feast because it's, 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 a, it's a thirst quenching, it's fulfillment, it's contentment or a feast of tabernacles. It's more specific than that. I, I'll have to go back over to Jewish holy days again uh, uh, when we have time, and we'll go through it in the uh, the uh, gifting and calling class. All right, so he told him, he said, uh, uh, during these feasts, I want you uh, to everybody, everybody to give according to what they have, according to how I blessed them. Now, they did this at this particular time, every three years, you say to yourself, well, I notice we do things once a week, right? We don't do every three years. One, we can get to the church in minutes, but, you know, you got to have scripture. So, you, you know, so let's look at 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. Again, talking about a money point of view, just giving some angles on how God views from the scriptures. Next week, we'll get into some other uh, very interesting things. Not like this is not interesting, but 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Look, it says, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Right? Lay in store as God has prospered him. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. And so, so, again, it's, it's about worship, it's about prosperous, it's about, uh, it's about all of us operating at a level of abundance. That's why the uh, disciples was like, then who then could be saved? It's about, you know, uh, when Acts chapter 4, I believe it's verse 35, when it said no one lacked, right? It's about cup running over, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But it's not about us. It's about the kingdom. It's not about our significance and our status. It's about being available to do good works, kindness, and deeds in the kingdom because the results of that, 2 Corinthians, um, when we read 2 Corinthians, is people are going to thank God. And people are thanking God and appreciating God, and that draws other people into the kingdom of God. P- 
you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony, the more, the more you give, the more you receive. Give it shall be you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give into your bosom. And the more that, that happens, it impacts people. It shifts their money point of view to a kingdom point of view because they just see God blessing them. And other people see God blessing them. I, I was at, uh, working at a job in uh, another state. And so, so y'all know I like Adidas uh, probably because I had limited uh, sneakers when I was a kid. I still go out and get discounted stuff, but that's the thing I like. You know, I'm 50-something years old. I should have had some shoes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not like other people. I, I don't like all the stuff they like. I just like Adidas. So, so I, uh, I would come to work with these Adidas sweatsuits. Uh, it was a store that, I mean, I was getting like $100 sweatsuits for $30. Like, and so I just kept coming in with new sweatsuits. He says, man, every time I turn around, you got a new sweatsuit. And I'm always looking for an opportunity to minister. I said, man, I just be pulling out my Jesus card. <laughs> right? He's like, what? I said, well, I just be pulling out my Jesus card. Like, and, you know, and every time he would ask me something, I would, I would, this God, this, Jesus, this, or the Lord, this, which it really was. It wasn't me. And um, uh, you probably remember this if you're watching this. But eventually, you know, he came, he came to church. He came to the Lord. He started living, and to this day, he's living his life for God. You know, so, you know, God can use so many different things to, to impact. I, I heard somebody recently, they was like, every time I look around, there's somebody in that church blessed. Like, you know, somebody got a promotion and a person got a, you know, gave a testimony. They got another promotion. The person just got a home and this, that, and the other. And again, the person wasn't as much focused on the things. He was, he was focused on God's blessing people. And it just really impacted them, you know. And so that's, that's how God wants to use us. All right. And so, so. But he's trying to get us not to serve money. Remember, you can't uh, serve two masters because God, can, you're not available. If you're serving money, you're not available because money says you don't have enough. Money says you better hold on to what you have. Remember the guy that tried to store the stuff up in the barns? You know, but when you shift your money point of view to, to a kingdom point of view, the Bible says the, the generous or the liberal soul shall be made fat. In Proverbs, right? I think that's Proverbs eleven twenty-five. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's another article, <laughs> right? And so you're, you, you know, when we have that, well, he that sows sparingly reaps sparingly. He that sows abundantly reaps abundantly. Um, I know I read the Amplified version, but that's Second Corinthians nine verse six, right? So he's trying to shift our 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 mindset to abundance and not. Um, scarcity, uh, when people are in institutions, uh, it's, it's, it, the, the jacked up thing about an institution is they train you, you have a limited resources and you have limited availability. So what happens is people go, well, I better get it while I can. Because, you know, that's the training. So I have somebody that was close to me that were in, in an institution for a while uh, not a correctional institution, but it was an institution. So when they got out, they was eating everything in that one setting. And I was like, you can get some later. But what it was is 
they were trained to, to not to be scarce. Like, so whatever I have, I have to hold on to. And, and they, would, they would hide everything. Everything was, uh, they would hoard. Yeah, they were hoard. And it's not because they were just being evil, but they were almost like, whatever I have, I better hold on to because who knows, you know, when I'll get something again. And God wants to shift our mindset from that. And so he set up a system, again, so we wouldn't be money worshipers.